Hey, my name's Hampton. And I'm Dustin. And welcome to The Nest, because there's never enough sports talk. And today I will be starting on my soapbox. And, you know, it, it, it's a fun time of year. The NBA is in full swing, and it just wrapped up with the All-Star break. Uh, tonight, the regular season of the final stretch returns. You know, MLB is starting to pick up now with the preseason training and last-second off-season moves like Brock Holt going to the Brewers. But generally, I'm still excited for the NFL offseason as much as the other two sports. But this year, I feel like I'm the most excited for an offseason in football than I've ever been. First and foremost, because of what the Ravens did on offense last year. I mean, Greg Roman took a pistol offense and reconfigured it to be a shotgun-style power-run tank. How incredible is that? The Ravens broke the record for most rushing yards as a team in a single season, something that has stood since 1978. This is where everyone says, well, duh, Lamar Jackson is a transcendent talent at the position. And yes, that is true. But in a league where passing is becoming the new thing, and quarterbacks are becoming more and more mobile, Greg Roman's pistol power run offense could spread out to other teams. And in my opinion, it should. The Bills already run heavily. After all, Josh Allen is showing himself to be a serious running threat. While he's not in the same skill level as Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen would probably be better suited in an offense run like Lamar's. Last year, Josh Allen threw 60 more passes than Lamar, yet he only had six more completions. Now, Lamar could have played in Week 17, but I doubt he'd have thrown more than 25 times at most in that game. Josh Allen only rushed 109 times to Lamar's 176. Lamar had 6.9 yards per rush, while Allen had 4.7. And even if the Bills ran more quarterback run plays, I doubt Allen would get near Lamar's yards per carry. But I bet Allen would crack 5 yards per carry. I don't want to mention the Bears too much, because we plan on talking about them in a bit. But Trubisky does look infinitely more suited to running than throwing. So much so, maybe he should have been a wide receiver. (laughs) Mitch only ran it 48 times last year, and he threw it almost 40 more times than Josh Allen. He had much more incompletions than Allen and Lamar and ran for four yards per carry. I think it's 200 incompletions total that he had. Yes, he did struggle through injury at times this season. But imagine if Matt Nagy didn't ask his running quarterback to throw 500 times a season. Now, I could get into all this whether other quarterbacks like Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota maybe, Cam Newton once he's healthy and not just playing through stuff because he doesn't want to let his team down. But you're probably starting to get my point. Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman's offense might just have unlocked a power run offense in the shotgun era that is more dangerous than any other power run game has been. Defenses are getting smaller to match the speed of the up-tempo teams. Look at Tennessee. Yes, they were able to get physical with the Ravens, but then they played the up-tempo team in the Kansas City, and they couldn't keep up with them. You can't play small or afraid against a power run team, but you can't play big and in-your-face against a team meant to fly around the field. Or maybe you can, but you just need to burn the clock more with running plays? I don't know, though. That's probably a question neither I nor Kyle Shanahan have an answer for. So I'm really excited to see if more offenses adopt shotgun power run styles that feature more quarterbacks running it. Specifically, I'm excited to see what happens with Jalen Hurts. He probably won't go in the first round and might get disrespected and not go in the second. But last season in Oklahoma, Jalen showed out, not just on the field. I could bore you with stats for days. He was a Heisman candidate, enough said. But on the sideline, he acted like a leader. And his unselfishness is well-documented to his Alabama days. Hurt's style of play could easily slide into a quarterback-focused pistol power on offense. He wouldn't be as game-changing as Lamar, 
but he would probably be better than Josh Allen. Of course, I have the usual excitement about what teams are going to get better. If certain teams will finally give up and force a rebuild, we'll talk about a few of those later too. But beyond that, there's only one other thing I'm overexcited about, and that's my own team, the team I cheer for, the New England Patriots. Elephant in the room, Tom Brady is a free agent for the first time in his career. He's 42, about to be 43, and everyone thinks he's washed up. Let's forget about the revolving door at offensive line he had this year, how his best receiver dealt with injuries since the start of the season that were characterized as most other players with these injuries would be season-ending, that his coach GM can't draft skill players on offense, how his best tight end in 2019 was almost as old as he was, and how arguably the best run-blocking fullback in the NFL was out all season last year. The Patriots' offense sucked in 2019, and it was a bazillion percent Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr.'s fault. Makes total sense. Quality analysis, mob of sports. But there are other free agents for the Patriots. Devin McCourty, Joe Thune's rookie deal is up, and Kyle Van Noy, just to name a few. Rob Ninkovich mentioned recently that if Tom left the Pats, it might spark a chain effect of other players wanting to leave due to being unsure of where the team is headed. Today, it's been reported that the Titans might have the best chance at landing Tom. Every suggestion on Tom and the Patriots seems to be wild conjecture at this point. But even so, would Tom leaving be all that bad for either side? Tom wants more rings, rightfully so. While you might not think he's got any left in the tank, he most certainly does. As a Patriot loyalist, if Tom leaves, then I'll cheer for his new team harder than New England until Tom retires. Because without him, the dynasty never would have existed. Drew might have won a Super Bowl. The defense in 2001, 2003, and 2004 was all-time great. But Drew never had that it factor. Belichick is great, there's no denying, but in Cleveland, his team stunk, much like Cleveland teams tend to do. If Tom leaves, many other players probably will, too. Where does that leave the Patriots? They won't tank. Belichick wouldn't have that, much like Mike Tomlin last year with the Steelers wouldn't do it. But they will be facing a rebuild, not just a build. Something that I had been expecting years ago. But Tom kept defying logic. So if you're writing Tom Brady off, go ahead. More power to you. But seasons aren't the only thing that don't fear the Reaper, and every streak is meant to be broken, even Father Times. Very true. But, um, I mean, I, th- I think you <clears throat> you definitely have some great points. Um, and, I mean, you know, we, we've talked uh, multiple times about Tom and, and you know, just what, what he's going to do. Um, and I know you've kind of put a, a couple teams out there, a couple um, options that you think may be realistic. And I don't want to dive, you know, too, too much into it, but um, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know if I can see him leaving. I really don't. Um, it's I weird, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I, I don't want that to be the reason why um, I just, it, it, it just doesn't seem right. Right. Um, and I know you think that it's definitely a possibility. A lot of people do. And, and it absolutely is. Um, but I just, something tells me he's going to stay. Something tells me they're going to, they're going to work this out craft and Belichick and, and Brady. And I, I think he's going to stay. Um, but I, I did see the, the report about Tennessee, um, and inter- some interesting teams in there. Right. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oakland maybe. See, that's the thing. If, if Tom did leave, I would probably want him to go to Oakland just because John Gruden's there, you know? And I mean, I've always been in on John Gruden, even when he wasn't coaching anybody. I, I just think Tom, I, so per reports, Tom really likes coaches that coach 
that not necessarily get in your face, but that, you know, want to see you do your best right. and push you for that. John oh, Gruden yeah. is definitely yeah, one absolutely. of those guys. Um, you know, it's, it's very interesting to, to, to think about Tom leaving the Patriots, but I, I definitely think Tom wants to win more rings. I think that at this stage of the game, yes, he, he thinks he can still play, but he's not going to play if it doesn't matter. Right. You know? Um, so wherever he goes, they've got to be able to do something. Now, if we all of a sudden see that Bill Belichick has swung a trade to get Stefan Diggs to New England, which has been floated out there recently, that is a possibility. I don't think no, that's going to happen. So but, uh, you know, if that were to happen, yeah, I think Tom might be like, wow, okay, that's with Stefan and with Julian, that's that's an actual wide receiver yeah. core. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Bill could obviously stitch together yeah. an offensive yeah. line. That'd be fine. Yeah, more than and, formidable, but and, I don't, you know, I don't either. Happen. And I also saw, um, you know, that, that the Raiders may be shopping car, um, which – you know, again, kind of brings Vegas back into the the picture, right? For Brady, um, but interesting, interesting options there. I've seen I've seen the Colts thrown around. I know I, I brought that up to you a while ago, um, but we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll keep our our eyes and ears open. But I I just I, it'd be hard for me to see him leaving. You know, another to get off uh, Tom and the Patriots back to uh, the pistol style power run offenses. I'm also pretty excited to see what defenses do. And not just this offseason, but over the next three years, how do they change? Because they all there's always that shift that happens. You know, for a while it'll be offenses taking over, and the defense and what always ends up happening, the defense adjusts, shuts it down, and the offenses mm-hmm. get crafty again. So, with the the difference between you know power run, you've got to have the size, and uh, you still have to have speed, but you need that size. With the up-tempo passing like Kansas City, you need the speed, and you kind of need to be smaller in some aspects. So what's changing? Like, how, what does the defenses do? What do they do to react to that? It's, it's too – the Kansas City offense and the Baltimore Ravens offense are probably going to take this league by storm for the next five-plus years. And how are the defenses actually going to be able to combat yeah, those? And, I mean – especially when you look at, you know, the way that these offenses are changing, you know, the, even the quarterback position is becoming um, so much different than what we're used to. Right. You know, it's, it's not these guys that are going to drop back and sit in the pocket and, and, you know, be, you know, uh, pocket passers. It's, it's, you're looking at, at guys that can move, right. At guys that can create opportunity that can run their dual threats, um, like Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson, yeah. like all these guys that are drafted recently who are slowly, well, I shouldn't even say slowly, quickly actually becoming the face, the face <laughs> of not only their franchises, but the NFL. And so I think it, it kind of goes back to what you said. You know, it's, it's about these defenses having to adjust to that and, and just become uh, more versatile themselves, right? Be quicker. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see as well. And I'm, I'm a big defensive guy as opposed to offense. So right now I'm just kind of like, you know, sitting back waiting for that, that transition to happen and see it, but I'm not going to say by any means that I'm not, you know, excited or, or, um, interested in, in the direction that it's going because it's absolutely been entertaining. And, and I think it's going to be an interesting transition for, for both sides. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's go to more focused uh, NFL talk in one of our segments. Would you rather? So we're going to be asking a couple questions here that are, would you rather? And then it would be one situation or another in terms of the NFL. So our first one is, would you rather be the Miami Dolphins or the Cincinnati Bengals this offseason? <laughs> Uh, uh, did you want to start with this one, Dustin? You know, uh, no, uh, <laughs> um, no, it's, <laughs> if it's you okay. want, I can, um, <laughs> okay. so uh, Joe Burrow is, is going to be a Bengal. Um, and yeah, Unfortunately and, for him. you know, with him having the, the ties to the state, you know, maybe he's a little more open-minded to it than everybody else is, but uh, you know, it's, it's the way it goes. It's a great player. He's going to, to, to the worst team or at least the worst team last year. I don't know that that will necessarily be a success or not. I'm not going to say one way or the other, really. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be the best quarterback out of, um, out of this draft, but as far as out of the two, I think to be honest with you, I think I'm going to pick Miami. Um, I think, because of a couple reasons, I think that Tua will probably be better than Joe, in my opinion. Um, again, I love his leadership. You mentioned it a little bit ago, uh, or you, where you were talking about Jalen, but I love both Jalen and Tua um, in, the, in that in that yeah. regard. And I think Jalen's going to be someone that surprises us as well. But I, I love. Um, I love just what he's able to do, right? And and everybody's worried about Tua's injury, but there's also reports coming out that the Dolphins could pass on him. Now, I just I, – I, I can't see them doing that, and I, I, I do think he'll be there um, based on the, the draft order. I do think he'll be there and available, and I think that they do take him. And I think in that instance, if you, if you put it in that scenario, I think that the Dolphins will just be better off. I think they were better last year. Um, I mean, record-wise, they were, um, but I, I like uh, the head coach better. I'm not a huge fan of Zach Taylor um, in, in Cincinnati, and you know, I'm I'm just I, I got I got to go with the Dolphins on that one. Yeah, so uh, I got to go Dolphins too, and it's not even a question in my mind either. You know, I mean, like the yeah. Bengals are bad, like they're bad, and it's not just because of their roster. I they they were dealing with injuries last year. God bless them. They've been dealing with heavy injuries every year, it seems. Um, Zach Taylor is going to be a problem, though. The Miami Dolphins were literally auctioning players all season, and most of the preseason, they had players becking to leave their team. They managed to be very competitive in a lot of games despite that and the season's wear and tear. You know, like they won five five games. I'm just like, how? Yeah, absolutely. How? They were literally auctioning players off and the fact that they didn't finish with the worst seed is just a testament to brian flores it it really is he is incredible i mean he basically had to have had the kind of like staunch confidence and discipline and coaching style that a person like ron rivera or Mike Tomlin had in those in those down years where you're like, you know, we might not make the Super Bowl. We might not even make eight wins. But gosh darn it, we're going to throw everything we have at every team and yeah. see what sticks. Well, so they have a great coach. They also have two second rounders and the fifth pick, the 18th pick, and the 26th pick. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah they're loaded up on picks. Here's the other thing. You mentioned they, they won five games. They lost um, to the Redskins uh, by one point. They also lost... 
to the New York Jets by one point. Easily could have been seven to nine. Easily. Yeah. And and, and you had players crazy, knocking down the door begging to be traded. Please get me out of here. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I, I definitely <laughs> give like, Flores oh. his his due for, for not only being able to to win the games that they won and, and lead with the pieces that he did have, but think about the the um you know, the mentality of the locker room when you have all these guys in there and, and there's people that are like, please, God, get me out of here. I don't want to play here. Think about what that does to the morale, right? And so definitely to him, yeah. and didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead with. No, you're good. No, like you, you're totally right. Like the morale was just getting beaten to shreds. And yet still, they, they managed to win five games. They didn't have a period of time. Like, you know, not last year, but the 2018 season. The Raiders, when they finally won a game, they had a person cry yeah. after their win because he was like, I didn't think we were going to win at all. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, God, that's so heartbreaking. Um, but whatchamacallit, my admiration for Flores, it's kind of like mirrored by my just complete disdain for Zach Taylor. I hate to say it because he is a younger coach. But to be honest, he's supposed to be an offensive guy. But how many electric trick plays or offensive plays did we see him draw up like the Dolphins had a lot of them and Flores isn't even an offensive coach and they fired their offensive coordinator so like clearly he wasn't the reason why and I struggle to remember even one crazy bingo play that wasn't just Joe Mixon being a fantastic running back. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that it, by any means the Bengals are, you know, this all-star team, but you've got pieces there. You've got John Ross, you have Tyler Boyd, you have Joe. I mean, you can make, you know, a little bit happen with, with what they have and, and other teams make more with less. Right. And so I, I get that their, um, their offensive line wasn't great. And I, I get Zach Taylor's a young guy, but I would, I think I'd much rather be Miami. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I will, before we move on, I will say, I know their first round pick last year didn't play at all last season, the offensive yeah. lineman and it, you know, so that he'll be back. I think AJ Green, at least last I heard, wanted to come back. We'll see if he actually does and if they want to bring him back. But, you know, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on, on both of them, at least in a morbid <laughs> sense for everyone who's yeah. not a fan yeah. of them. <laughs> from a distance. <laughs> so from a distance. It's not us, so we'll watch. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, so would you rather trade the number two pick or keep it if you're the Redskins? Um, I'm going to let you start that one off. So I think you have to trade it. And there are a lot of things. There are a lot of things the Redskins need, which is why I'm saying this. I I mean, I'm going to go ahead and just guess that all of us think Chase Young is going number two and that he's a maximum potential player. And he's probably one of those guys coming out of a draft where you can kind of just pencil in hall of fame potential. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, what if the Lions plan on picking a quarterback and Miami wants to trade up to make sure they get their quarterback? Wouldn't you be like, okay, like if, if Miami offers a late first in addition to one of their seconds just for Washington to drop back to five, like why, why wouldn't you consider that? Yeah. Like if, it's, if, if a trade offer is brought to them, that's three plus picks or maybe just two picks but also a quality player – I feel like you've got to take it because Ron Rivera is such a great coach. He builds one of the best team cultures in the NFL. It's, I mean, which is evident by the Panthers players all having no spirit after he got yeah. fired, yeah. you know, like give him the pieces to make a team that inspires the fan base. Chase Young is exciting, 
but I don't think the Redskins need an exciting player right now. I think they just need more good ones. I mean, me personally, I think Terry McLaurin is going to end up being a monster. So. Yeah, oh yeah, and it's it's um it's interesting to see what the Redskins are going to do. So I think um I think you have a very good point and you make a very good case for trading the pick. Um but I think with Ron Rivera coming in, I think with him being the defensive guy and the defensive mind that he is and and has been for a long time. Um, I think what he's going to look to do is do something similar to like what he did in, in Carolina. Right. So he gets there and his focus is immediately being able to um, have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. And then from there, you know, they, they had a couple offensive pieces, but I feel like a large part of the focus, a large part of the energy um, and a large part of the culture of, of the Carolina Panthers the past couple of years has been their defense. Right. So I think, I think totally. that, that they're absolutely going to, to keep that pick. And I think that they're also going to, to take chase young. And I think it's because Ron Rivera is going to try to do something similar to that. Right. You, you don't really have, um, much to work with right obviously the redskins were three and 13 last year you're, you're coming in with a, a fresh um a fresh slate basically um and i think that he's really gonna to turn to chase young and and see how how um you know he, how big he is how uh, monstrous he can take over a game and i think that they want that kind of size i think they want that kind of pressure uh, on the opposing quarterback. And I think that they, they want that kind of staple to kind of start things off. I agree with you about McLaurin. Um, big Ohio State guy, you know that. I, I don't think I don't think Haskins oh, yeah. is going to be the answer. Um, God yeah, bless him. Lo- lo- love him, great <laughs> guy. But it, that's not going to be the, the final solution there. Um, do I think they should take one of the other guys? No. Um, I think that they, they need to really uh, take some time, focus on the defensive side of the ball where they've struggled so much the past couple of years. And I think, I think Ron Rivera, once you give him two or three years, he'll really start to be able to give this team, not only an identity like he did in Carolina, but he'll be able to to find his guy that he wants. And I, I just, I, I think he's going to end up taking chase young and the Redskins will stay at the two. So before we move on once more, I, I think we should talk a little bit about the Redskins biggest problem, which is Dan Snyder, their owner, because the fact is like, so Trent Williams said today that he was going to stay on the team. He's going to play again for the Redskins because of Ron Rivera. Because yes, of Ron yeah, Rivera. Because, yeah. Ron's going to be huge for the Redskins. However, Dan Snyder is supposed to be one of those owners who always gets involved. And, you know, that can really put a foot in the mouth of any team. So I, I'm a bit – I'm a bit – I'm hopeful of watching the Redskins. I feel like they're going to immediately be playoff contenders within the next two years. But, you know, I I am a bit nervous because of that. Yeah. Um, You know, again, their their roster when it comes to the Redskins is just not – I mean, they're, they're again. Their biggest problem is the owner, right? You, if you yeah. could, if you could somehow uh, get rid of Dan Snyder and turn, it's it's just like a, a, it's like you just want to turn the leaf, right? It's like you're reading a bad book and you just want to turn the page. You want to get to the next chapter, and right. he has been so negative for the face of the franchise, for the coaching staffs that have been through there, the players, all in general. He's just terrible, right? So I, I think. Um, Rivera is almost kind of like a distraction, right? He kind of outweighs, <laughs> yes. he kind of outweighs that. And, 
And so hopefully he can kind of um, turn that team in a different direction. But, you know, I don't think the Giants will be very good for, for a while, um, to be honest. And I think you have a shot at, at competing in that division. Um, but we'll, we'll see. They, they got a long way to go. Long way to go. Totally. All right. So number three, would you rather try to win with Matt Stafford or blow it up if you're the Lions? You can start this up. one. Blowing it up. You're blowing it up. <laughs> blowing it up, man. And, and, you know, I have a lot of good things to say about Matt Stafford. I do. Um, but I just, I think it's time. And, and I really don't have anything other to say than that, right? It's, it's nothing personal. It's just one of those things where you, you try and you try and you try so many times. And it's just, I think it's gotten to the point where it's just not, it's not happening. He's not getting it done. He, I mean, the lions and the playoffs are like oil and water, right? And mm-hmm. before you can get to a Super Bowl, before you can get to an NFC title game, before you can get to even that conversation, you've got to be consistent at being able to not only come, not only compete in the postseason, right, but be in the conversation for the postseason. And um, I, I like Matt Patricia. I think that he's gonna do a good job in Detroit, and I think again that that they're gonna be a, a competitor um, in the NFC North, but. I, it's just hard for me to see them um, or Matt Patricia in general kind of moving forward with his team. You know, it's like when you get a, a new team or a new GM, they, they always want their guy, right? They try it out for a little bit and they say, eh, well, this isn't working. I, I'm going to let, let me have my guy. Right. And I, I think, yeah. I think that Stafford, obviously he's a, he's a staple of the lines. He's been there for eternity. It seems like, um, but he, he's just not, he's not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. He's not a, a playoff caliber quarterback. And, uh, it's unfortunate because he's, he's, I mean, he's Matt Stafford. He's made a lot of great plays over the years. He's made, he's taken the lions, even when they've had terrible teams, right. Yeah. To, to, um, seasons where you'd look at their win loss record and you think, wow, I, I honestly can't believe that he was able to kind of wheel him to that. Uh, but he's been hurt, um, I think when you factor all that in, I think it's just time you, you kind of got to make a, a new new move, turn the new leaf. So for me personally, Matt Stafford, I, I like him. He's a good quarterback. You yeah, know? I do too. Yeah. Uh, it, it, if you can win a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson, I think you can definitely win one with Matt Stafford. <laughs> um, but I think I think you got to blow it up too. I really do, and it hurts to suggest that because, like you said, it seems like the Lions and Matt Stafford have been together forever, and the Lions are in the running for the saddest franchise in sports. So to even suggest another rebuild is just sad. But I think you've got to recognize you might be able to get multiple good assets for Stafford, and your team just doesn't have it. Like the Lions, the last five years have gone seven and nine, nine and seven. Nine and seven, six and ten, and then this last year they went three eleven and one. And I know Stafford missed half of last season, but those other four seasons he started every game. And he might be the best quarterback the Lions have ever had. But I mean, kind of like the Redskins, they have a lot of places their team needs, and I think they're actually worse off than the Redskins. So I mean, now is probably the best time to rip the Band-Aid off, like you were saying. You know, like you're in a super deep division. You, there are three other teams. I mean, probably just two right now, unless the Bears get their crap together. But they're in a deep division, and they're not going anywhere. They're just not. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. 
I mean, Matt Stafford started uh, 152 games in the National Football League. He's 69 and 82. Um, wow. And and he's got the one tie, but I mean that's a that's a forty point four five seven win percentage, just forty six percent of the time. Um, I, I think okay. you just got to go a different direction, yeah. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Andy Dalton seventy and sixty five. So I uh, I'm I'm sure you've heard that like apparently uh, Josh Herbert has been linked to the Lions. Um, uh, yeah, 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 from uh, Oregon, yeah. Yeah. So I really like Josh Herbert. And I, I especially liked him when he was like, I'm going to stay for my senior year because I felt like he needed a bit more time. And I always like when like players like, you know what? No, I'm going to stay and try and do better with my team. And he kind of got that Cinderella ending because he got to win the Rose Bowl, you know, and he looked really good the last three games of the year, particularly in the Pac-10 championship and the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just, I don't know. I I feel like the Lions... I mean, even if they got Josh Herbert, you got to get your quarterback. But I feel like they should do some some dealing more than just Matt Stafford before this draft. Like, like, what do you think? Do you think they should like how? Do, how I guess the question is, how do you think they should blow it up? Do you think they should just shit Matt Stafford and be like, all right, now let's try and rebuild from what we've got? Or do you think they should also be shopping like Trey Flowers, Carry On Johnson? You know? Um, no, I, I, I would. I would dish Stafford um, and then I would probably shop a couple other guys. Yeah. I don't, I would probably, I, I like carry on Johnson. Um, I'd hang on to him. Um, but there's a couple other guys on the defensive side of the ball. I would ship. I just think that I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, one of those people who say, you know, the lions, I mean, like I said, oil and water with the playoffs, they're not going to the playoffs. So unfortunate. And <laughs> yeah. And I mean, after that is the the trend year after year after year after year it's not just gonna be hey let me just you know make one or two moves here and then we're gonna all of a sudden be um a playoff contender or or someone who can go deep in the nfc that's not the case and i don't think that stafford's gonna do that for them and i don't think that just making you know one or two little moves is gonna make it happen either i I really do think that um that they should just blow it up all of it really i mean you could you could get a lot of value for some of the guys that you have right now um and then you know they'll be if they do that they'll be right back to that lovely detroit team that we saw in the years where they were 0-16 and and winning a game every year. Uh, I think that was 2007, but I just, I think they, I think they need to blow it up. Speaking of um, Herbert, I read today and I I really hope this isn't true um, that the dolphins might actually prefer Herbert over Tua, Um, And and that kind of goes back to our, our subject earlier, but I I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think Herbert's the answer for um for the Dolphins or the Lions, but yeah. No, I feel like Herbert's a uh, Daniel Jones kind of quarterback choice. He's not going to be terrible his first year, but he probably has 3 more years until He's he gonna is need actually some refined. Right. right. Yeah. Um you know, not to bring bring it back to the Patriots and Tom Brady, but you know, Marvin Jones Jr., he's only got 1 year left on his contract for the Lions. I'm Maybe the Patriots could get him to keep Tom. I don't know. Um, just hoping. Uh, anyways, <laughs> moving, on, moving on to would you rather number four. Would you rather have the Saints quarterback situation this offseason or the Bears? All right, so 
just as a precursor, Drew Brees has said he's coming back. But when we when we decided to have this question, it, it was still up in the air. So, you know, they might not have had Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, or Drew Brees next season. As it stands, they're going to have Drew. They're going to have Drew, which kind of rules out Bridgewater. You know, and Taysom, yeah. he sees himself as a franchise guy. So, I mean, he he does like Drew. I think Taysom would consider coming back, depending on the money and years he has offered. However, you know, uh, they're going to have Drew. You would obviously want the Saints quarterback situation. Even if Drew is a step down from last year, where he was probably a step down from the year before that. It's just that Michael Thomas is so great. And Alvin Kamara is so great. You know, Drew's going to seem really good. Uh, but to be honest, Drew still has it, you know, and he's probably going to, he, he's like Tom. He's probably going to have it for another two years, you know, and he might want to hang it up sooner. Who knows? You know, no one can say what the dude's thinking, but I mean, you just, I feel like you got to take the Saints quarterback situation. I know Mitchell is young, but I feel like Matt Nagy is just trying to shove a square peg into a round hole with Mitchell Trubisky and his passing offense. Matt Nagy is a great coach, and I think that's evidenced in his first season with Mitchell because he was able to do gadget plays after gadget plays to make the big splash plays. This year, that wasn't going to work because teams were wise on that. So he would draw up plays and Allen Robinson would get open. Taylor Gabriel would get open. And how many times did we see Mitchell Trubisky just shove the ball in the dirt at their feet, throw it way up over their head repetitively. And it was just the most heartbreaking thing because the bears would continuously be in these games where in the third and fourth quarter, you'd be like, Oh, they can do it. They can do it. (laughs) And then you just see as Mitchell Trubisky just kind of like craps the heart out of the team. And it's just so disheartening. So disheartening. Yeah. You know, I, even when we, we first talked about this question, um, it seems like, you know, 48 hours ago, I had kind of already decided that I was going to go with, um, with new Orleans. And I'll tell you why. Um, I think in the instance, you know, if you, if you think of it in the context of, of, um, two days ago and, and sure hindsight's always 2020, but I knew that there was going to be a great opportunity that they were going to be able to keep at least one of those guys right now. Obviously when you talk about two of them uh, stay in, you, you are off that list, but I did think that it was going to be likely that Drew Brees was going to come back. Something just told me, Hey, you know, I don't think he's done yet. And so I expected him to come back now with with breeze you're not gonna sign bridgewater right so um so Taysom hill i could see coming back um but teddy bridgewater's got a lot of good options and so um i think he's gonna depart i think he's gonna head to and there's a lot of talk about carolina um there's a couple uh, you know whispers here about the colts there's a couple um, whispers about the Raiders. There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, right? And obviously we're going to have to see what happens in the draft as well. Um, but I, I think I'd much rather be the Saints just because you had multiple options there. Um, and, you know, three solid guys, you know, even if even if um, Breeze were to retire, I think you'd be able to, to – I mean, you saw how well Bridgewater played when he was out. He won every oh, yeah. game. Um, and, you know, as far as Bridgewater goes, I mean – 
quietly he started 35 games, right? He's 22 and 13. So he's got a, a 63% uh, percent winning percentage. Um, so, you know, overall, um, I think they had a, they had a handful of good options there. That's why I would have taken the Saints. Now, when you look at the Bears, um, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, again, win-loss. I know, I, I've, I know I've brought it up a lot, but he's, uh, he's 30, 23 and 19 in his 42 games. This year, he did not look like he improved in a lot of areas. Um, he had a fantastic defense that he could not let them breathe for five minutes. Um, and you know, he just, he really disappointed me. And I don't think, I don't think that, like you said, I don't think that he's going to be this perfect fit to what Matt Nagy's doing. And I think the first year it worked well because, you know, they were just kind of out there doing their thing. They were, he was just kind of letting Trubisky do his thing. Trubisky was running the ball. Trubisky quit running the ball this year, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. He he was. Especially after the injury. Well, that, and I mean, overall, just the offense was so bad. I mean, you, I can't tell you how many games you'd get to halftime and they would have basically nothing for offensive production, right? So I, I think that um, I'd much rather be the Saints. Um, now, I'm not saying that the Bears can't do something this year. You know, they could turn around and, and surprise us and have a really good year. Uh, but I just don't uh, – Trubisky is – is I, I questioned him when they draft him. Um, and, again, 2020 for hindsight, he, he got taken over Mahomes. He got taken over Watson. I'd definitely, <laughs> definitely rather they have one of those two guys. Yeah. <laughs> definitely rather have one of those two guys, obviously. Um, oh, man. But uh, – he again, it's kind of like a Daniel Jones. You're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to 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 tweak it and mess with it and see if it's gonna work. And um, <laughs> I'm going I'm going New Orleans on that. One of my favorite, not to like rub salt in the wound of any Bears fan out there, but one of my favorite uh, things taken away from that draft after Trubisky got taken was that someone was like, "Yeah, you know, I was talking to people at the organization. Not only did John Fox, it was John Fox who was the coach at the time, right?" Um, he like, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. He had no idea that they were taking him. He he was not notified about that. And uh, also, one person in the organization said, "You know, he's got a he's got a Chicago name." And I was like, "Yeah, that's a reason to pick someone." <laughs> like that's that's gorgeous. That's, that's enough. So cute that'll do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that'll 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 go for you. Um. So let's move on to. Uh, would you rather number five? Would you rather, and this is not to do with the Titans. This is just in general. Would you rather sign Derrick Henry or grab a running back in the first round? Derrick Henry. Um, I think that he is a monster, right? His size is, uh, even in Alabama, you watched him run and you're just like, I don't even want to get anywhere near that. I don't want to be. You know, the guy on the other end of that, he has had some massive runs. He yards per game. Uh, I'm sorry, not yards per game. Uh, well, that is one thing that he's impressed me with, obviously, because he's had so many big games. But I was going to say yards per carry. Um, he's he's just a massive guy, right? He he guys hit him. They fly off they're they're trying to tackle him there's three four guys trying to tackle him he's just so big and you know everybody thinks that in this NFL that because we're we're turning to these quarterbacks like we mentioned earlier Mahomes and all these guys that um can you know Lamar Jackson can run the ball that these big massive um powerful backs aren't you know as valuable anymore 
And sure, Christian McCaffrey is great. Sure, um, Saquon's great. They're shifty, fast, speedy, explosive guys. But so is Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, to be as big as he is, um, and then when you add that with his size, I, I just like him over some of the options in the draft. Obviously, when you're getting Derrick Henry, you know what you're getting. You're getting Derrick Henry. Sometimes you're taking the risk uh, with the draft. I, I, I know you're going to have to pay him, and it's going to cost a pretty penny, but I, I really do like Derrick Henry. And, and I'll be the first one to say that he, he has changed my mind on him, honestly. Um, when, he, when he got drafted, I didn't think he would be as good as he is, and he's improving every year. I'm um, right there with you on that. And I think that, you know, a large part of that is because Tennessee is, is quietly great, right? They played really well this year um, and their, their offensive line is getting better. They're getting more pieces together. Tannehill played well. So when everything's going well, obviously it's easy to say that, that, um, you know, Derrick Henry played well and it was a great year and, you know, everything's, you know, great, but he, moving forward, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the league and, and he's underrated and people don't talk about him enough. So I'm going to, I'm going to say Derrick Henry there. So for me, it depends on the price tag because, you know, Zeke got, what was it? 15 million, 16 million. Zeke got a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Todd Gurley got 14 million. I, I mean, if I, but I mean, he's the best power running back in the NFL right now. If I could get him, for 12 or 11 million a year, I would probably do it yes. because he's in his prime. You know, he, you could argue that he has another year where he's going to be just getting better still, and then he'll be in his prime. But, you know, he's either at the borderline of his prime or he's in his prime. He basically bulldozed the Titans to the AFC championship. That that's what he did, you know, and having <laughs> that kind of bell cow back is rare. And while a great running back means nothing without a great team, in order to have a great team, you need to be a good one first, and a great running back can get you there. A strong argument can be made that without Henry, the Titans wouldn't have even made the playoffs last year. They might not have even made eight wins. I know J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift are going to be in the draft. They're going to be awesome. I am high on both those guys. I'm higher on Dobbins than, than Swift, but... I wouldn't be shocked if the Titans think they could replace Henry's production and save some money. I think they'd be wrong because when I see, when I saw Derrick Henry last year in the playoffs and sometimes throughout the, throughout the regular season, I thought to myself, man, this guy's killing it. He's just crushing it. And then once they lost to the chiefs, my immediate thought was, wow, are they going to keep Derrick Henry? And then my second thought was, Good Lord, what if the Ravens got Derrick Henry? You know, what if the Seahawks got Derrick Henry? What if you put Derrick Henry behind an actual quarterback? How frightening would that be? Yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. oh my God. So and here's the thing. I, I would I would sign Derrick Henry. <laughs> if here's, I was well, exactly. And and here's the thing. He averaged five point one yards per carry. Good if Lord. I, I mean, that's literally, that's five. Think about that. That is five yards a carry. That is half. You, give him the ball twice, first down. I mean, I know, I, I know it's not that easy, but I mean, that, that, is, that, that is outrageous. He's six foot three, 247 pounds, and <laughs> he had 1,500 yards last year on 300 attempts. So 16 touchdowns. I think it's hard not to pay him. And again, I think comparatively you're going to get him at a good price uh, yeah. or at least that's the idea. Right. But um, yeah, I, I got to go with, with, um, with Derrick Henry. I just remember when, when the Titans beat the Patriots in the uh, wild card 
and in the third quarter, fourth quarter, and even sometimes in the first half, the Patriots knew what to do. We knew what to do against him. We were doing well against him. But there was this moment in the third quarter and at the top of the fourth quarter where first down, Derrick Henry would get two yards. He'd get one yard. And we'd be like, yeah, yeah, we did it. And then second down, he'd gain five. And we'd be like, all right, crap. All right, come on, guys. <laughs> and then what happens? He breaks a 10-yard run. And then it would just be rinse, repeat, the exact same thing. And it would just be like, how is this happening? Right. Like how It's the same exact not the same exact play, but the same exact style of play. You know what's going to happen. And teams like that, that's like, you know what's going to happen, but we're just going to do it anyway to you. And that works. That says something about the players. That says more about the players in the system. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited to see. Because even here's the thing, man. When you talk about Derrick Henry, think about this. 2016, okay, rookie season, he averaged 4.5 rushes uh excuse me yards a rush then it was 4.2 the next year and since then it's been 4.9 and then last year 5.1 that is that is production i mean that is offensive production and last year he had 16 touchdowns the year before he had 12 i i I gotta take derrick henry and again I'll, i'll tell you i'm the first one that that criticized him and i did not expect him to to do what he's been doing I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I was banging, banging the drums or banging trash can lids as the Astros would do um, <laughs> that, uh, that he stole Christian McCaffrey's Heisman because I mean, there was even one guy who said the reason why I didn't vote for Christian McCaffrey is because I didn't watch any of his games. Cause I didn't want to stay up that late. Like, and there were probably, and there, that was when the prevailing theory of the West coast teams in college football was like, Oh yeah, you know, they don't get as much national acclaim because they're on so much later. And it's like Christian McCaffrey broke multiple Barry Sanders records that year. You know? Yeah. And yeah. it was just alarming to me that he at least didn't come in a close second. So I, I, I will I will beat that drum forever. But good lord, Derrick Henry is just a mammoth. And I yeah. think any team with Super Bowl dreams that doesn't sign him is not thinking. You yeah. know. Especially if you're just one piece away. Um, so, last, would you rather? And it is the best one, in my opinion. Would you rather re-sign famous Jameis Winston, or would you let him go if you were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him go. Um, he's. Uh, not a great quarterback in my eyes. I, I thought he played fantastic at Florida State. I love the pieces that were around him. Um, even coming out of the draft, I didn't like him because of the antics and the nonsense that happened at Florida State. Nonetheless, that was forever ago. I'm not, I'm not you know, harping on that. But Where are the, the crab point, legs, Jameis? The point, yeah, the <laughs> point is I just wasn't high on him coming out. I didn't expect him to be as good as he was. Um, in college in the NFL and again it's one of those things where you're like you know I think it's just not it's just not going to work listen there's so many guys right that are coming out of the draft there's so many guys coming up not even let's not even talk about um, this draft let's talk about the next couple of drafts how many guys that are going to be coming into the league and I think that you, you have just so much more value in some of these young guys. You can get 
better numbers out of, out of some of these guys that are coming in. And here's the other thing, you know, um, Tampa has over, even over the, the past couple of years, has had a lot of great pieces, right? They've had a lot of great receivers. Um, they've had a lot of great defensive players, but they just haven't really been able to put it together. And Bruce Arians, great um, coach. First of all, I want, I want to say that I love Bruce Arians. I think he's he's fantastic. Um, I know a lot of people don't like him, but I think that he has a chance to really be able to do something in Tampa. And I don't think that you're going to get, you know, the leadership and the culture and the winning ultimately in that division with Jameis Winston. I'm, I'm going to pass on him. Um, I think there's a lot of better options available, not only this off season, but next off season. And I, I've just never been a big fan of him to begin with. So <clears throat> I was so back and forth when we decided this was going to be a question because it's so interesting. I mean, he threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions last year. His He's the most Jekyll and Hyde player in the NFL. I, I remember there was one fantasy week where he had like 35 points, 34 points. And everyone was like, oh, he's on a roll. And a bunch of people <laughs> picked him up. And the next week he had 10. And four points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, four points. And it was, yeah. just, it was just like, oh, you know, I, I got to say, though, just because of the fact that Bruce Arians has shown he's a fantastic quarterback coach, I think you got to go to Jameis and say, hey, uh, you were kind of trash last year, but you were also kind of great. That's not really stable. So we're going to give you this two-year deal, first year guaranteed, second year not. And if it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, you know, well, we would have the potential to cut you and you can find another team if you want. Or whatever have you, you know? And if he's he's like, no, I think I can get more, just let him walk. Just let him walk. Yeah. Because this is such a big year for quarterback movement. I mean, think about it. If James is like, no, I want four years, they can just say, okay, and then switch some stuff for Matt Stafford. Like, I mean, that yeah. that would be that would be totally interesting, especially because I think Tampa Bay's defense is going to be interesting over the next coming years because their defensive coordinator is Todd Bowles. And he might be one of the top 15 defensive-minded coaches in the NFL. I mean, when he was with the Jets, he was able to make a solid defensive unit there. And their GM wasn't really the best. And their offensive coordinator definitely wasn't the best. So I I think Tampa is going to be interesting. And I I don't think they can they can afford to attach themselves long-term to Jameis. But just because they spend a first-round pick on him, and because he did throw 30 touchdowns, and there were some games where he had three touchdowns, no interceptions, going into the fourth, and you're like, oh, he's got it. And then their last two drives, interception, interception. And you just yeah. be like, wow, Jameis. Well, for, I mean, and the other thing for the, the Buccaneers, which is also, you know, a factor in all this is their offensive line. You know, they they really need to improve the offensive line, and this isn't the deepest draft when it comes to that position. So um, I don't think that, 
he's the answer, but I, I think they have a couple of things they need to fix, right? If you fix the offensive line, do I think he could be uh, better? Yes. Again, do I think he's the answer? No. When you have to play uh, Drew Brees twice a year, possibly Cam Newton, and that's a whole nother situation, oh and Matt Ryan, that's six That's six really tough divisional games. That division is is one of the toughest in football usually, and – I just don't think Jameis Winston is is that guy that's going to be able to get that done. I think with, I mean, again, think think of the free agent quarterbacks that there are right now. Think of whether it's high caliber or not. You know, whether it's Tom Brady and Philip Rivers, or whether it's you know one of these smaller no name guys. Think about the guys that they're talking about shopping. Think about Derek Carr and all oh, yeah. these other quarterbacks. You're not, you know, oh maybe Stafford leaves. Think about the draft this year. Think about next year. I just think there's so many better options and so many better routes that, that they can go. And I know Bruce Arians is going to want somebody that's going to be able to throw the long ball. Um, but I, I think that the Bucks need to, to go a different way with, uh, with their quarterback situation. And I think they need to, to, to really bolster that offensive line. So before we move on to NBA Western talk, let's spend about two minutes on this question that, I think is very important and it's very important just from a interesting sense. So Gardner Minshew ended up being just fantastic to watch. Yes. He cooled off a bit there, but he was still fantastic to watch. And you can make an argument. One of the reasons why he cooled off is because the Jaguars offense has never really been something special. I do. You think it has anything to do with the fact that when Gardner's at was at Washington state, Mike Leach is just basically, you're just going to pass it. Like, I mean, for instance, there were games this last year where Mike Leach threw it 60, 70 times, didn't run it once. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, like, he just, Gardner Minshew has seen so many coverages that he is just more experienced than most quarterbacks would be coming out, not necessarily skill. And so the question is, do you think that it's, a lot of Gardner Minshew is really good because Gardner Minshew is really talented. Or do you think it, uh, some like a big part of it is that Mike Leach system actually develops quarterbacks well? Um, uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think it is his system. That I, I mean, I, again, like you said, he was exciting to watch for for the couple of weeks that, you know, the Minshew mania was going on. Um, I'm not a big fan of Mike Leach, um, to be honest. And uh, I don't uh, No, I, I don't, I think, I think it was more or less, you know, he, he played well, of course, absolutely. And he, he had a stretch last year, but um, I don't think that, that Mike Leach is, is, you know, this again, you, he's, he's, when you're when you're asking a quarterback to throw the ball sixty times, you know you got to do something, right? You got to have some <laughs> sort of so. so uh, no, I, I I don't know. All right, well we're in agreement there. All right, so let's move on to the NBA then, Western Conference specifically. Since last week we did a deep dive on the Eastern Conference, and to be honest, the Western Conference is last year's Eastern Conference. And the year before that's Eastern Conference, and so on and so forth. So our first question is, is it actually going to be a Staples Center Western Conference Championship this year? Yes, it is. Um, I, 
I don't think that when you look at the West, and I know I talked a little bit about this last week briefly, but I think the Lakers and the Clippers are two very, very deep teams. Um, I think between Anthony Davis, LeBron James, um, you know, now you're, you're talking uh, reports coming out that DeMarcus Cousins may be back for the playoffs. You look at the Clippers, you have Kawhi Leonard, you have Paul George and, and Patrick Beverly. I know both have kind of been nursing, nagging injuries, but you know, hopefully those guys are healthy come playoff time. And then I just don't think anyone else in the West can compete with that. Now Houston has made a lot of moves recently. They've signed a lot of guys. Even the Clippers have signed a few guys um, to, to try and bolster that, that roster right before the playoffs start here. But you know, the Lakers are sitting four up right now in first place over Denver, um, five up over the Clippers. And then the Jazz are, are very quietly five and a half outright, just a half game behind the Clippers. Um, but I don't think when the playoffs start, I don't think that, that Denver um, has what it takes to go deep into the Western Conference. Utah and, and Houston are probably the only two that – I don't even want to say have a chance because I don't think that they're going to be able to beat the Clippers or the Lakers. But I think that I think that that Utah could very much so make a series interesting. Um, but I, I don't again, I, when you look at the, the rosters of the Lakers and the Clippers and how deep they are, the veteran presence, the playoff experience, the leadership and the culture of both of those teams. I don't see there being any other scenario. Knock on wood that there's anything other than LA, LA Western conference finals. I think you're right. I think you're right. I've actually, you know, when we decided on this question, I legitimately stared at the standings of the Western conference for a solid 30 minutes, almost every day since we decided upon this question, because I'm like, no, this can't be right. Like, no, there's no way, you know, like, come on, there's gotta be someone that I can make an argument for. And I was thinking about it and it's just, I can't. Yeah. I, I really can't. And and part of the reason why for the Lakers, their interior defense is really good. And part of the thing that made the Jazz so great was Rudy Gobert. But you can even see it when they play the, the Lakers. They they play great defense on him. And then when they play Anthony Davis as the center, Rudy Gobert has has to move around too much, you know? Like yeah. Rudy is best when he is in the paint or near the paint and Anthony runs up to the top of the key, runs to the corners and Rudy's Rudy has to follow him because Anthony can make shots from everywhere. So that, that does it for the jazz. And it, it hurts to say that. And it also, it it's kind of funny. You're right. That the jazz are quietly five games back every all year. All we've heard is that Mike Conley has not been the real Mike Conley this year. And, you know, like, oh, you know, the Jazz, they're not what we thought they'd be. And it's like, well, they're still they're still really good. Like, they're still right there. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think that says a lot about their team. They're a really good team. You know, Bogdan, Bogdan Bogdanovich was such a big signing last year because once Oladipo went down for Indiana last year, Bogdanovich was the one who stepped up and was like, no, I got this. And in crunch time in the regular season, he got the Pacers, the wins needed to make the playoffs still. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think you're right. I think Mike Con- I think um, the Jazz have a better chance than the Nuggets. Uh, and it's nothing against the Nuggets. I think they're going to get there. I do. Within the next two years, I think they're going to be legitimate 
contenders. But last year they were just hot. They were just really hot. And yeah. they were hot in the regular season. You know, Murray is legit. Jokic is definitely legit. And I, I'm a big fan of Porter Jr. I was really sad when he was hurt in his Missouri year. And, you know, I think he's going to pop. I don't know if he'll be a force in this year's playoffs. I don't think so. But I think he will pop for them. And coming years, Denver is going to be a team to watch in the playoffs. But, man, they just don't have the experience. And, honestly, they don't even look like a good fit on the court, you know? I think Paul Millsap's a weird fit for them. I think right now they just have him because, I mean, what else are they going to do? He's the best choice they have, and he's got the experience and the leadership qualities, you know? But the biggest threat that is not a threat is the Houston Rockets. Um, And it's funny to say that because, you know, they're doing this small ball thing now. And (laughs) there are a lot of arguments against that. You know, they don't have a center on their roster, I think, right now. Well, they have Tyson Chandler, but that's not. They have that's right. They have Tyson yeah. Chandler. I, I okay. So oh man. They don't have a good chance. No. But they have a shot. It's yeah. like when uh when Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather. He didn't have a good chance, but he had a shot. Right. You know, he had a shot. And well when you have when you have James Harden on the floor yep. and then you add Russell Westbrook and, and the guys that they have on that team and in the starting lineup. And I mean, they absolutely have a shot, but I just, I, I don't see it happening like Utah. I just, I just don't, I can see, you know, the funny thing is, is I can maybe see Houston beating the Clippers, but I don't think that they will. And I don't think that again, I, I just think the Clippers are too deep. They have too much. And so do the Lakers. And like I said, you never know what you're going to get out of James Harden. He could go seven games and give you 40 a night. Um, but when you look at the defensive presence that the Clippers presents, when you look at the just the, the powerhouse that the Clippers and the, the Lakers really are. And see, here's the other thing. The, the Clippers haven't played to their full potential. They're, they're, they're kind of hanging out, right? Um, oh, they don't, they don't, they don't care. They're not, and they're not planning. Yeah, they're not planning to. They're not worried about, you know, March. Okay. So it's kind of hard to even really compare um, because we don't know what we're going to get from the Clippers yet. So that's the reason why I say I, I don't think that the uh, Rockets can beat either one. So I think the, the Rockets can beat either one. I don't think they will. Well, I can't. I, yeah. Sorry. I should, I should say what. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. So, so, and and the reason why I think that is because I think the small ball is going to work in a way. Just because of the fact that they did get Robert Covington, the big thing they were missing in their small ball units was defense. Would I rather they have gotten someone else? Like, if Reggie Jackson had gone in, that would have been awesome. But, um, you know, Robert Covington added that defense they needed on the wing. They needed more defense. That's one of the reasons why I think the Westbrook trade was so underrated for them. Because they need defense. They need energy. They need someone to hold Harden accountable when he's like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on offense. And that's what Westbrook does. Like, if you've watched Rocket games this year, Westbrook has slowly, like, seeped his just, – his, just his energy and his play style has seeped into the Rockets as a whole. And I think you can make 
a strong argument that Westbrook is slowly becoming the on-court leader of the Rockets just from a mentality perspective. And I think that's going to be huge for them in the playoffs because I think if they were doing Chris Ball, Chris Paul with this small ball kind of lineup, they would just dissolve. It wouldn't yeah. work. It, yeah. it would not work at all. Um, God bless the Thunder's attempt to try and be a contender, but no. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun to watch and be like, gosh, I can't believe they're doing this. Like, this is fun. But, yeah. you know, no, no way. Um, Portland makes me sad. Yeah, they make me really very sad. Disappointing. Lot they lost a lot of big role guys in the offseason. I, I mean, like Al Fru Camino, he's not someone that you know if you're a casual NBA fan you know about, but he really did provide them quality minutes. And you know, I really hoped Yusef Nurkic would be all right by now, so they could try and flip Whiteside for Randall during the the <laughs> trade deadline or something. But instead, we're getting this season where they might not make the playoffs. Despite yeah. Damien showing he might be the best point guard in the NBA, and I mean, just four out the of the All- eight right now. Yeah, right. And like just before the All Star break, he got hurt. So at this point, I, I don't think there's a chance Portland even makes the playoffs, and that hurts because yeah. I feel like they're one of those teams that no matter what seed they are, no matter who they're playing, because of Dame and CJ, like Pesky. they're there. Yeah, they're there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think I think they miss as well, and it's unfortunate. And um, you know, there's a couple teams really at the at the bottom there. You've got Portland, you've got the Spurs, who are always in the mix. Um, you know, they're they're five out, and then you have Zion and the Pelicans kind of wrapping up that last. I mean, the Phoenix, Sacramento, Minnesota, none of, none of those teams. Golden State, they're they're out. Um, I I don't think that Portland makes the playoffs either. I think likely the eight that are in will probably stay there, but it, it is, it is disappointing to, to see Portland miss. Yeah, man. I, this, this golden state team, I keep giving them like side eyes. Cause they're like that, that dead thing. They're, they're the person in the zombie movie that just got <laughs> bit and they've just closed their and eyes. And you're like, I know yeah, what right. is coming next. <laughs> right? You're like, I know you're about to wake up. And you're going to yeah. be a zombie. And you like have the shotgun pointed to them. But then you're like, wait, is this going to be enough? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's going to be. Ooh. You know, I'm with you, man. And, and it's it's crazy to see them sitting at the bottom of the NBA. Literally the worst team. 12 and 43 right now. They're 30 games out. But I'm going to go out. I, I, this isn't even going out on a limb, Hampton. I'm going to tell you when when that team gets back on the floor next year. Um, and obviously, we have a lot of basketball left this year. Um, I think they're the biggest threat to whoever wins the the West. Um, I really do. I think you're right. And people are going to say, "Well, Durant left," and you know. Draymond and you know they got they added Wiggins to the mix first of all Wiggins fits in Golden State yep perfectly um and I think that they are really really going to be I mean they're going to pick up where they left off I really do when you have the best backcourt in in the game and you have shooters uh, like Steph and Clay and you have the coach that Steve Kerr is he I mean they're they're going to be the threat next year and it's 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 nice being a lebron fan being able <laughs> to to have a breather for a minute 
Um, because I mean, it was an onslaught for five years. Like I thought I was just reliving a bad nightmare every time I, I saw them on the floor, but <laughs> I'm getting like one night of sleep and then I'm going to wake up and then I'm going to go back to bed and it's going to be the same thing. Like I, I know they're coming right back. So, right back. um, yeah, well, they're going to, they're going to be great though. You know, it's kind of interesting. I've never liked Andrew Wiggins. I've always thought he was a bit overrated in terms of his potential and stuff. He is a perfect fit in Golden State. He is going to be great there. I do think he's better than Harrison Barnes. So already this team with Andrew Wiggins is going to be better than the Golden State that went to the championship the first time around. And not to mention, Andrew Wiggins, the guy like Draymond Green, a guy that's not just going to – Jimmy Butler, he doesn't necessarily hold you to a certain level of competition. He holds you to that level. And it feels like if you don't hit that level, he's just like, well, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's over. He's not going to help you. He's, well, he might help you, but he's not going to, like, train you or anything on the way. He's just going to be like, well, book's out on yeah. you, man. Like, I'm going I'm to beat you with these backups. And <laughs> so Draymond, man, he's, he's a different dude. And you, you can kind of tell. Uh, did, you, did you see the uh, – he had a, a little interview session the other day. And he told the media people, he was like, yeah, you know, I've I've always been on playoff teams, so I'm going to ask for a buyout so I can be on one again. And he's like, no, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> and, and it's just like, you know, he's still trying. Yeah. yeah, he is. Clay, out the season, obviously. Steph probably could play in March, but it seems like they might not let him. They might say, no, just stay out. Draymond has dealt with some injuries this year, but it's still going. He could easily say, no, nah, let me out. But that's not Draymond. You know, and and that's huge because one of the big things the last two years when they just had, just had Steph, Clay, Katie, and Draymond is the depth. The depth wasn't there. Don't forget Boogie. Well, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. I just have to always put that in there. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Um, uh, They're building depth right now. They have a bunch of young guys, including Eric Paschal. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. is going to be legitimate. And they're just getting reps, getting reps, an entire year's worth of reps. Dude, especially with that number one pick, with the, the, they'll probably they'll probably gonna have at least a top five pick. But the lottery the way it is, they'll at least have a top five yeah. pick. Good lord. That's oof. Could you imagine if they got Wiseman? Or could you imagine if they got LaMelo Ball? Well, like, yeah, I've seen a lot of mock drafts, and they have them very high, very high. Um, so they're going to get a great player regardless. Um, but, I mean, it's it's just – it's like I said, it's it's just a breather. It's like, hey, I'm going to sit out this game. I'm coming right back the next game. It's like you're at the park playing pickup, and you're like, God, I hate this guy. Like, he is just so good. Like, you know, I, I, I wish he was either on my team or not playing. And he's like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to sit out for a minute and, you know, have a have a drink of water and, and take a breather. And you're like, God, this is just so nice. This is so nice to, to <laughs> you start coming and then, back. <laughs> exactly. And then you're like, well, I better enjoy this because I know he's playing the next game. It's, it's, that's, that's Steph and Clay. They're excellent, man. And, and they're going to, I would not put it past them to win a title next year at all, at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I firmly agree with that. Um, you know, I don't know what to make of the, the Timberwolves getting D'Angelo. Um, it seems like a last shot prayer to make 
Carl Anthony Towns feel like Minnesota's home. I don't know what to make of the Suns, honestly. They added a lot of veterans, Ricky Rubio, Aaron Baines, and I think that's helped out. But, I mean, they, they I hope they take another leap next year because if they don't, I feel like Devin Booker is going to be one of the next stars that's like, all right, trade me. Yeah, you know? I can see that. Um, Pelicans. Pelicans are interesting. They, they, I mean, they could make the eighth spot instead of Memphis and – Memphis is is kind of the same as the Pelicans, you know. Th- both have the Rookie of the Year probable candidates, mm-hmm. top two candidates. Both are kind of anchored by some veteran skilled player. In the Grizzlies, since it's Jonas Valanciunas, who might not be special like Drew Holiday is special, but. He's someone who's been there. You know, he was on those Raptor teams, um, and he he's good. And then the Josh, Drew Holiday, I've always liked Drew Holiday, and I feel like he finally has a team that is an actual team, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm very excited. I actually – who would you rather have the eighth seed? Um – I would say the Pelicans. You know, I'm going to say the Pelicans as well because I, I really like their lineup. I really like their roster. And I really, when you look at their roster, you think that, that their record doesn't really accurately reflect the pieces that they have. I'm going to take New Orleans in that, but I think Memphis is, is exciting as well. And like you, I think Drew Holiday, you know, feels right. Right. Um, you have so many guys down there that are quality players. You have role players, you have veterans, you have rookies, you have um, Zion. There's no telling what's going to happen with Zion. Brandon Ingram, who's been playing really well. I mean, really well. Uh, JJ Reddick, Jackson Haynes. Um, there's so many guys there that really really impress me and I, I like their lineup and I, I when I when I see their their record I just I think they should be better than they are I'd like to see them um, be the eight and then get destroyed by the books <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I think whichever I think the most fun if Dame's not healthy I think the most fun eight seed would either be the Grizzlies or the pelicans before we move on to our last segment um i think we need to talk about an elephant in the room when it comes to the western conference and playoffs the spurs man i am i you know we knew this was gonna come we knew this this playoff streak would eventually end we knew eventually something would happen and they'd have to rebuild a little bit however it did seem like DeMar, LaMarcus, and with Jonte Murray coming back after what they did last year, they'd be able to, to definitely make the playoffs again. Right now, they're, they're 10th, aren't they? They're, they're looking up. And, I mean, I heard rumors that they, they were considering shopping DeMar before the trade deadline. But just everyone was like, ah, 
that? Do we really want Demar? And they they kind of got the Andre Drummond. Treatment, yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Um, also, I just realized I said Bucks, not Lakers. I'm looking at the Bucks roster right now. Um, oh. And yeah, the Spurs <laughs> yeah. are the Spurs are in tenth right now. Um, you feel so bad for DeRozan, right? Uh, <laughs> got to, got to. But with um, with Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, I mean, the franchise of the Spurs, um, I didn't expect them to be in 10th place uh, in the West this year. I really didn't. And I thought, you know, the thing is, when you when you trade a, a guy of Kawhi Leonard's caliber, you're almost guaranteed to not get it anywhere near that back. Right. I think they knew that. Um, and moving forward, moving on from Kawhi, that's a huge transition. Um, so it doesn't necessarily surprise me that they're 10th, but they have good pieces on their team. They have a fantastic coach with Greg Popovich, um, but they've, they've disappointed me a little bit as well. Um, and, and same kind of thing with, with when you look at um, the, the Pelicans, you look at their roster and you think, they should be better than they are record wise. Um, even chemistry wise, you know, I've seen a little bit of um, awkward moments from, from them. And I, you know, I'm not a huge LaMarcus Aldridge fan. Um, but I think with, with the team that they have, I, I love DeJounte Murray. Um, yeah. And I, oh, I, I think he's going to be really, really good moving forward here, but they, they just have pieces that, you would you would expect a, a better performance from get look i know they're in the west i know that the west isn't easy right um <clears throat> but I, I think i don't think that even had they gotten demar off before the deadline that that would have really um helped them this season um because i, I just think that they're they're too far out of it they're the, the way and, and not even yeah. that as much as it is the West is as deep as it is, right? Um, so again, I, I think the eight that, that are in the top eight right now stay. I think Memphis gets the eight. Um, but uh, nah, yeah, Spurs, Spurs are just disappointing. I will say the saddest thing about the Spurs watch when you're watching them is that there will be times where DeJounte Murray is just pushing the tempo. And when Derek White's out there with him and Bren Forms, you can see it. And it's like, oh, they're moving, they're moving. But DeMar and LaMarcus and even to an extent Jakob Podol are just so, like, slower that they, that they don't move with it. And so it ends up being DeJounte Murray, maybe Derek White or Bryn Forbes against, like, three guys from the other team, four guys from the other team. And it's like, well, there goes that that attempt at a fast yeah, right. score. And, and it's so just like, oh, and And DeJounte Murray is only 23, right? So – um, I know. And they have him for four yeah, more years. And, you know, averages as far as this year, I think he's averaging 25 minutes a game and uh, 10, 10 points, uh, I think six and four. Um, so, but uh, offensively, um, I think he's only going to get better. Um, and I think you, you hang on to him. I think he's a great piece. I just, again, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, and I, I think that they have, they have, they're they're one of the teams in the NBA, honestly, right now, where it, it kind of hurts to say it, but I think that they should should kind of blow it up. Um, and yep, it's it's rough that. to say because it's the Spurs, and could you ever imagine saying the Spurs should blow it up? For 20 years, we've watched them dominate the NBA and go to the playoffs every year. Um, so it's just kind of mm-hmm. weird to think about, but mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah. But here exactly. we are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So last segment, our two favorite NBA storylines post All-Star weekend. Um, I guess we'll go back and forth. So I'll give one, then yeah. you give one. And then if you want to get, and then I'll give my second and then you give your second. Um, so my first one has got to be the Nets without Kyrie <laughs> because this is going to be so fun. <laughs> I mean, the first year Kyrie was in uh, Boston, he ended up having a, I think it was a plate that was in his, his knee that he had had installed after another uh, surgery. I think he got infected or something. And they were like, hey, it's going to be better for you if you take it out. And he'd been feeling some discomfort with it. So he was like, all right, I'll take it out. So he had the surgery, and that meant that he wouldn't play the rest of the season. So what happens? Well, the Celtics get ignored. They quietly get a good seed in the playoffs, and then they go to the conference championships and are in game seven against LeBron, where they are a Jason Tatum dunk on LeBron flex (laughs) away from LeBron not being – Anger mode pissed <laughs> and taking the game over. Um, so I want to see what the Nets do. And I want to see if they make the playoffs. And I want to see how far they go if they do make the playoffs. Because I think that'll be interesting. If they were to make the second round, but be strong in the second round, I think there might be some, you know, well, geez, from, from Kyrie, just because that's just, that's who Kyrie is. Kyrie would hear it. Kyrie, Kyrie would totally hear it, especially if, if you know, Spencer Dinwiddie was going off, Karis LeVert going off, uh, Joe Harris going off. And I think the Nets next year, everyone keeps talking about them like, oh, my God, KD's coming back. Yeah, KD's coming back. Yeah, KD's going to be crazy. He's KD. But chemistry is a oh, very yeah. real thing. And while I don't think anyone should be labeled a chemistry killer, Kyrie is a specific kind of dude. And so is KD. And the outcome of this season for the Nets could have a very real impact on next year. Yeah. You know, I'm interested in just to touch on what you're saying about the the Nets. I'm interested to see how those personalities mix, right? Um, You're in the biggest media capital of the world as far as sports go um you're in new york city um this is not oakland this is not cleveland this is not oklahoma city um they're gonna hear it when they they lose they're gonna hear it when they win but those two guys kd and Kyrie, i think are are very um unique personalities i think that it's going to be interesting to see how they mesh together and i I agree with you um kyrie being officially announced out today um i i i I almost wanted to take this segment because i I knew i knew that this was going to be something but i knew i knew you were going to touch on it so I, i left it alone the brooklyn nets have a better record right now without kyrie as opposed to when they do so they're eight and 12 with I him, aren't they? I think so. I just saw the graphic flash not too long ago, and I was, uh, but they, they are better, um, offensively, better defensively. They're, they're better win loss, uh, across the board. So, yeah. um, it wouldn't surprise me if they continue to play well the rest of the season and eight and 12 with him. That's what I meant. To yeah, say. yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
it's 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 interesting. They're they're playing in Philly right now and and really giving Philly a run for the money, um, in which Philly doesn't <laughs> lose at home. But so the the one thing um, that I'm really interested in, and I could I could talk about this forever, but. I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen with the Lakers, Hampton, and and here's the reason why. Because at the beginning of the season, we talked about all these all these sports um, analysts, all these radio guys, TV, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you want to say. Everyone questioned the Lakers. Everyone questioned the coaching staff. They questioned hiring Frank Vogel. They questioned LeBron and AD's chemistry. They questioned whether Kyle Kuzma is going to step up to be the three. That's still in the air. Um, they questioned, <laughs> um, you know, oh, the, the, the LeBron's going to LA to do movies. Oh, you know, they don't have enough. The Clippers got... And they have absolutely ignored all of it. They have played through all of it. They have proven every single bit of it wrong. And the thing that I'm excited to see is we talk every day um, about how the Clippers haven't turned it on yet. And I firmly believe that the Lakers, while you can tell that that they've they've kind of given it a little bit more, I think they want the one seed. I really do. Um, and I think they're going to do everything they can to finish first in the West, but it's impressive to me that they've handled the pressure up until this, to this point as well as they have, and they have all clicked as well as they have and played with the energy and dedication, um, to each other that they have. They're deeper than people give them credit for. And I'm interested to see when the playoffs, um, get here what they're what they're going to do so i'm interested basically in uh, how the lakers are going to kind of finish this year out and and really how they're going to manage the playoffs but i think that um that everybody's saying the clippers everybody's saying the clippers are going to win the finals everyone's saying the clippers are going to win the west i i disagree i know i'm a lebron guy i know i'm i'm um, pulling for the Lakers to win, but I just I think that there's something there about them that's that's really going to take off here in the second half of the season. Um, so I'm I'm going to say the Lakers. Uh, I'm really excited to see what what's going to happen there. So just to hit on yours real quickly, I agree with you. I'm really excited to see the league to see the Lakers and how they develop more. I'm actually, you know, I I was high on the Clippers going into the season. So I did not like the Marcus Morris trade just for the fact that I don't see why they would, why they would want him. Like, yeah, he's a great player and well, yeah, he's a really good player. Yeah. He's gonna, he's, he's gonna work with them, but he's also a ball stopper. And so he's also that guy that, that has the confidence to take the shot at the end of the game. And more times than not, he will take that shot when you don't want him to because you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And so it feels like you're going a bit more ISO Reggie Jackson. Yeah. That helps. Um, he, he, he'll, he'll move the ball around, but he's also, he can mm-hmm. be a ball stopper. I feel like, 
you know, they've got a team. Lou Williams is a ball stopper. Paul George is a ball stopper. Kawhi Leonard is a ball stopper. They've got a lot of ball stoppers on their team. And that's going to be interesting to see how that works. I, I'm, I'm tentative on them now. I feel like this is either they're either going to be a domination team. They're going to roll through people or they just have too much of the same kind of talent. The ball's going to stick too much, and they're going to end up playing a team, maybe the Rockets, more likely the Lakers, or whoever comes out of the East in the finals that's just going to get them in their place. And, and I don't think, um, barring Kawhi Leonard and Paul George going God mode, God mode twins, wonder twins, I don't think, I don't think much is going to happen yeah. for them. But my, my favorite, in, my last favorite NBA storyline post-All-Star weekend this was tough. You know, I, I want to say Boston because I love Boston, but I, I, I can't, I wanted to say, you know, the, is the, in the East and the West is the one to seven and the one to eight seed already set or will some teams drop off? Cause that's kind of interesting, but that's definitely not it. Really what my second favorite storyline for the NBA is, is watching the Knicks smoke and mirror hope for their fans because it's so heartbreaking to see. I really love teams rebuilding. I love the sense of hope that, that they, that they can bring. And I love, especially obviously, especially when they do it right and how they do it. And I love watching it. And it's so, so incredibly cool. And James Dolan is such a trash owner and everyone knows he's a trash owner. I heard an anecdote the other day that apparently the employees of Madison Square Garden, when they see James Dolan walking through and stuff, they're like, oh, God, because he just never looks happy. He doesn't say hi to them. He's just an all-around negative presence. And I think that kind of sums up how the basketball community of fans sees him just being bad for his team. And I don't actually know if there is a GM, president, or coach combination that can save the Knicks from the horridness that is their owner. And they've got a lot of good pieces. Frank Nitzkalina is really fun to watch. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is basically a, a kind of form of Andre Drummond, Rudy Gobert hybrid. Um, obviously, they have Julius Randle for the next three years. RJ Barrett's showing that he's, he's the real deal. I am really interested to see the Knicks, you know, randomly be like, oh, the Knicks are actually in the running for Giannis after a report comes out that Giannis is definitely going to say in Milwaukee mm-hmm. or something, you know? And it'll just be like, oh, God, why are you doing this to people? I mean, I, I think at a certain point, the Nets or the Knicks are always going to get money. They're the biggest team in New York, despite not being the best team in New York. Um, or by the biggest team in New York in basketball. Um, but I feel like as long as that money's coming in, James Dolan's probably not going to sell, even if there's not a winning product. And I don't know how they get a winning product. Cause I feel like if they, if they were to get Zion, for instance, I feel like the Knicks would have made Zion play this year, despite being hurt. They would have like, no, you're playing, you're supposed to play, you're going to play. And then he'd probably get hurt even worse because just, I feel like James Dolan is the kind of owner that when you have him, you just are always cringing 
and wishing you weren't a fan of that team. But, you know, I, I give a lot of respect to Knicks fans because they, they, they have to deal with a lot. But, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the Knicks plan is for them. Yeah, the Knicks are, are a story in themselves, right? Um, but yeah. um, my, my other uh, post-All-Star break um, storyline that I really want to watch, I'm really, really interested in this. And this is not something I thought I would have any interest in, honestly, uh, full disclosure, before the season started, okay? <laughs> um, the Toronto Raptors have continuously kept me on my toes this season and they have played fantastic. Um, Last year at the all-star break, they sat second, right? Looking up to Milwaukee. um, It didn't matter when the playoffs came. Um, Now, then the the separation I think was only one game. Um, But let's talk about the Raptors, right? Number five, in three-pointers made per game. They're number three in three-point percentage, 38%, okay? Um, They're number 12 in offensive rating. They're number two in defensive rating. That's really, really good, right? Um, They had a 15-game winning streak before the break. They have six players on their roster who average 10 or more points a game. Overall, I think that they have really surprised a lot of people and the departure of Kawhi Leonard, the finals MVP, and a role player like Danny Green going to the Lakers, they almost haven't missed a beat, and that is surprising to me. I think um, Nick Nurse has taken a lot of people by surprise. Uh, I mean, oh yeah, he, he – Came up through the system, right? He was there um, before Dwayne Casey, or I mean, with Dwayne Casey, and then Dwayne Casey got fired after getting Coach of the Year, um, which is which like is crazy I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and he's just kept the ball rolling, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see what Toronto is going to be able to do, not only in the rest of the regular season, but in the playoffs. I agree. I agree 100%. They are, man, they're, they're very exciting. They, they really are. And you know what's kind of funny, just to bring this kind of full circle, uh, the Toronto Raptors, without Kawhi, are trying harder to get the one seed than the <laughs> Clippers Kawhi. are with Kawhi. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. I guess it's it's all about the approach, but... Um, but I'm, I'm excited for, for the playoffs. I'm excited for the second half of basketball in general and, um, and, and we'll see. Right. Uh, also to your point though, the Raptors have a better record than the Clippers. So you've been listening to the Ness where there's not enough sports talk. Dustin and I will be doing these podcasts every Wednesday or Thursday night. Be sure to check us out again. Give us a listen next time. Y'all have a good one.